0: Ruth chapter four, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today and may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. The neighbor woman gave him a name saying a son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. To Perez was born Hezron, and to Hezron was born Ram, and to Ram, Amimedad, and to Amminadab was born Nashon, and to Nashon, Salmon, and to Salmon was born Boaz, and to Boaz, Obed, and to Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse, David. And Father, we do thank you for this word. We thank you, Lord, for uh, this story. We ask that you'd help us now, and it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. So if you turn back with me to Ruth chapter one many times throughout the last few weeks I've sort of resisted retelling the story and I'm not going to resist today uh, I, I, this is a great story this this story is like a movie unfolding before our eyes the the best ending movies are the ones that have like the a, a harsh beginning and and so we have Darkness. It's a it, dire, dire conditions that are described for us at the beginning of Ruth. And the very first verse, it says, now, now it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was famine in the land. So it opens with this sort of this time stamp within history. We learn wh- where did Ruth take place? When did it take place? And we learn that it happened during the period of the judges. The book just prior to this is the book of Judges. It was a period, according to the last verse in Judges, when, when, when men lived according to what was right in their own eyes. Uh, that doesn't mean that life was good. It was a, a, a terrible period, season for Israel. There was evil. There was wickedness. There was all sorts of bad things that were happening. And so we learned that the story of Ruth sort of unfolds during this period of rebellion for Israel. And we see that there's a famine in the land and this land was Israel. It was a land that God had uh, brought them to. He promised great blessing to them and the blessings were contingent on their obedience. I don't know if this famine was as a result of their disobedience. I don't think it's a far stretch. But there's a famine in the land and it's serious. I read this and I have warm memories because I think of the grapes of wrath from that first message I'm from the Salinas Valley, Monterey, where Steinbeck came from, and I love the grapes of wrath and all of his. My wife can't stand his writings, but but, but he's a great writer because he 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 paints this this picture of America during this season of a great need, great hunger, and and the, the trials that these that they went to during this period. And and so when I think of Ruth and the opening of this book, I think of that movie and sort of. the the desperation and desire for food and how are we going to provide for our families how are we going to care for our children there's no food our money's gone and so we're introduced to this family naomi and elimelech and uh, their two sons i'm trying to find the names of the sons uh malon and chilean sickly and dying were the names of their sons and so we don't know what conversation happened, but clearly this mom and dad, they needed to do something. And so they decided that they would go to the land of Moab. Um, I didn't do this during the next slide, but why don't we go ahead and go over there? Maybe I have a pointer here. Oh, yes, prepared. So our story takes place. It opens in Bethlehem, the house of bread. And they make this journey up to the north around the Dead Sea. And then they come down to the land of Moab. There's a huge mountain range. Um, between the two, and so they, as they make this decision to go to Moab, it wasn't just relocating for economic reasons. Going to Moab would be to go to a place that God had warned them about. That Moab's Moabites came from this, the incest of Sodom um, from Lot, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. From, yeah, that's the town. And you know, my brains all together here. Um, Lot's daughters get him drunk. They sleep with him. Each daughter gets pregnant. One of the children became the father of the Moabites. They were a people that were uh, had false gods, sexually immoral, uh, bad history with Israel. In Deuteronomy, God says, up to the 10th generation, Moabites should not enter the house of worship. There's great warnings against these people. There would have been, uh, this wasn't just a simple choice of, of going for economic reasons it was a choice where they chased the economics and they put spiritual implications on the back burner and so this is one of the things that i see throughout ruth is is the idea of the impact that our choices make on one end of the spectrum we have a and naomi by her own admission would say that she made the choice to abandon God. To go to this land where she was forbidden to go to. They were Jewish. They were Israelites. They knew better. And on the other hand of the spectrum. You have Ruth. Which we'll see later in the story. Ruth is of Moab. She's a Moabitess. From false, worshiping false gods. Likely most people think that she was sexually active. Because that was just a part of life there. As. As elimelech and his wife and two sons head to moab this bleak situation gets worse in verse three we see that elimelech died we have no idea what happened two verses down in verse uh, between verse three and verse five the two boys marry two girls orpah and ruth and then they die by the fifth verse of this you see starvation new land a death of a husband, death of two sons, dark, dark situation, 15, 20 years has probably elapsed. We don't know. We know that the the sons were married for about 10 years. I'm guessing 15, 20 years. Naomi decides she's going back to Israel because word had come to her that there was food in the land. And so the daughters follow her to the edge of town. And as she gets to the edge of town, she looks at her daughter-in-law's, who are no longer her daughter-in-laws because her sons have died. And she says, go back. There's no reason for you to follow the cursing that's on me. That God is disciplining me. There's, there's no reason for you to follow me. Go back home. Go to your mom and dad. Get remarried. Have a family. And one daughter, Orp- Orpah, goes back and Ruth doesn't. And this is, I'm getting to the, 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 the contrasting decision and so here's ruth a moabite she it's just no there's nothing in israel for her israel is going to be more difficult she's going to be looked down upon she's there's going to be racial lines drawn she's going to be an outcast because of her history it was going to be a difficult decision and the mother-in-law gets more firm with her and she says don't come with me I believe she's kind of going for the jugular vein for the sake of getting Ruth to go back. And she says, don't come with me. Don't you go back to your people and your God. And in that, she's letting her know that you're not welcomed in Israel. And in verse 16, we see the choice of Ruth that sort of changes everything. So contrasted from Elimelech who who whose name means... My God is king, yet he doesn't trust him through difficult times. And we see Ruth make this decision. Yeah, I know going to Israel is going to be tough. They're going to judge me by the color of my skin. They're, they're not going to allow me into their place of worship. But I know that your God is the true God. And she makes this decision, the harder decision, but with spiritual implications as the priority. In verse 16 of chapter 1, she says, Do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. And I love verse 18. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go she said no more to her she's like "Ah, oh, this girl's stubborn she's made up her mind there's no there's no okay let's go we'll head into israel and so they head into israel and as they head into bethlehem naomi's been gone for 15 years at least i'm guessing the ladies in the town recognize her man that girl looks familiar that just came into town kind of looks like naomi but man she's older she she looks more like a mobite and and i thought didn't naomi have a husband and two sons and where are they there's just an old lady with nothing and this mobite girl and at this point naomi comes in in verse 20 and she says do not call me naomi call me mara mara for the almighty has dealt bitterly with me i went out full but the lord has brought me back empty why do you call me naomi since the lord has witnessed against me and the almighty has afflicted me so she comes into town broken discouraged true sense of hopelessness i don't know if you've been there but she was at the place when i've messed up so bad not even god will forgive me or redeem me out of this and this sort of lays the foundation of ruth that god is a redeemer and god works in 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 normal regular life stories it's beautiful but so they sit in bethlehem the house of bread there's uh, god has put his hand back on bethlehem there is actually wheat and barley being harvested there's food and in the second verse of the second chapter for lack of better terms what i see here is is faith and works see ruth stepped out by faith and went to israel followed after her mother-in-law she knew it would be difficult she trusted god but she doesn't just sit back and say well i'm praying hopefully god does something she has faith in god but she's willing to put some legs to these prayers and to say mom let me go work i'll go collect cans i'll 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 see if I can go behind the restaurants and and see if there's any old food behind. I'll bring us back. This was the equivalent of what she was doing. She says, "I know the Old Testament law that God had a provision for widows and orphans and aliens in the land that I can glean in the fields. I'll go there. I'll I'll, I'll go into a field and I'll ask, can I can I come and pick up the scraps?" And the mother-in-law says, "You can you can do that. That's good." So she goes and she. She works in the field. As the story sort of develops, she uh, wanders into one field. She gets permission to start gleaning. And somewhere from the one field to the next, the the story tells us that she just happened to wander into Boaz's field. This is in verse 3. And so this is a major theme in all of Ruth, God's providence, his sovereignty. And I love in this story that you see uh, humans sort of making their decisions and then under the surface you see god's hand sort of orchestrating don't ask me to explain the sovereignty of god and free will but i see that we have choices we can make and as we make choices god sort of he orchestrates for for lack of better terms this this whole this there would be no story if she didn't happen to walk into boaz's field if she happens to walk into his field and because she happens to be in boaz's field there are certain things that she's eligible for, that, that there is this family connection that she didn't know about. We see it again when, when Boaz wants to marry her. He goes and he sits at the gate, and it just happens that that other guy, such and such, that's not even given a name in the Bible, just happens to walk by, and Boaz says, you sit down, and he grabs the ten of guys, and he works. just happens that all of this stuff just sort of happens. And we see God's sovereign sort of plan working underneath this and i don't know how that all works oh, god will explain to me when i get to heaven i know that we have choices and as we make choices and walk by faith we also see god sort of directing our steps it's beautiful and so she goes and works at the field and as she's working at the field she takes her first break boaz comes in to check in with his management team and hey who's that chick over there i don't know what he said that the bible doesn't say that but it's like hey who's that girl he says, oh, that's that girl, the Mobitist, who came in with Naomi. And he, she's been working all day. This is the first time she comes to sits down. And Boaz is like, okay, I'll go talk to her. He talks to her. He says, you know what? Stay in my fields. You're, the whole season you're allowed to work in my fields. When you get thirsty, go and drink from my workers eat amongst my men and she's welcomed in and we see this this beautiful picture that's sort of in the lines of scripture that that is it's a profound thing i hit racism really hard that week because for ruth to be sitting at the table with the workers this was a Moabite sitting with jews and i don't understand how people in our country that are professing Christians can say that the scripture teaches apartheid within the pages. It's, it's dumbfounding to me. The issue is, do they walk with God or do they not walk with God? And If they don't walk with God, there's great caution. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. And so she sits at the table. He's pouring out this blessing upon her. I picture her sort of weeping at one point. Why are you so kind to me? Why are you so loving to me? Why are you doing this? I'm a foreigner. Like I understand the provision of the law. That I'm you're, you have to allow me to pick up the scraps. But you didn't have to do all of this. And in chapter 2 verse 11. In his response. One of the themes I see throughout Ruth. Is sort of this. Character integrity. Both on Boaz's side on Ruth's side that there's something about honor and doing the right thing and as she says why would you do this to me I love what Boaz says to her in verse 11 he gets it he says all that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you've not previously loaned and uh, uh, not to get ahead of myself but to get ahead of myself Throughout Ruth, we see sort of choices that that lead to legacy. And he sees that she walked away from the false God. She walked away from her fo- family. She walked away from the broken cycle that her family had been in for generations. And she broke free to trust in the God of Israel. And he sees this. And in verse 12, I think it's, it may, I don't know if I want to declare this the key of all of Ruth, but it's definitely a major point of Ruth's decision. And and what's so special about this young lady? He says, may the Lord reward you for your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. And so you see Boaz, he loves the Lord. He sees what she's done. He's heard about her reputation, her character. He says, may the God who you came to seek refuge, may he provide for you and bless you. And Boaz would be the agent that God used to provide this for her. And so she continues to work. She gets a big ephah of barley. And we brought in the trash bag. She has all the food. She goes back to her mother-in-law. Her mom's like, where did you get all this food? And he brought home a doggy bag. And this is wonderful. And Ruth is like, it gets even better. He said, I could stay here through the whole harvest season. And we end chapter two with the, where's it going to go? what's going to happen after the harvest? The mother-in-law had an idea in chapter three. I think I sang for you guys that week, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. This Jewish mom, like, "Who? I see, I know. We can do something here. And so in chapter three, she said, it's the end of the harvest at the threshing floor. The, it's, it's Boaz's time tonight. He's reserved it. He'll be there. There's going to be a, a celebration of, a, a, a party a, a a time of of taking the grain and gl- uh, what is it that, i gotta look for the word here um winnowing they're separating out the bad stuff from the good stuff they'll have the pile he'll be there tonight take a shower put on some perfume wash yourself anoint change your clothes i know there was three things that you were supposed to do and now i don't see this as like hey just Get yourself gussied up so you can draw, catch his attention. I think this is, daughter, your time of mourning is done. This is exactly what King David did. This, this, these three things, we see King David after his son died. When he was done mourning, he changed his clothes, he anointed himself, he washed, he worshiped God and and her mother-in-law says, your time of mourning is over. You need to sort of put yourself out on the market. You're gonna to go to the threshing floor. Watch where he lies down. Don't let him eat. Let him drink. See where he makes his bed. Don't go to the wrong spot. It could go really bad. Go lie at his feet, and he'll tell you what to do. You do everything that he tells you to do. Seems like a crazy idea to me. I, I'm not gonna rehash all the possible. This is what sort of. Well, let's. I'm gonna pass on that. I'm gonna. My brain is opening up all these files and I'm xing them out. Like, close, close, close. Don't go there. Don't go there. It could have gone really bad. It doesn't. She lays down at his feet. I picture him at like two in the morning. As, as it got really cold, he sort of flinches to pull the blankets back on him. And as he pulls, he's like, there's something down there. Who are you? What are you doing in my bed? What's going on? I'm Ruth. I'm your servant. She doesn't address herself as a mobile. It's like the first time. The Moabites left. She's like, "I'm Moabite. I'm, I'm Ruth, one of your servants. You're a relative of mine. I want to marry you." Oh, hey, I'm game. I, hey, look at this. You've changed. You're not you're not mourning anymore. I, I want to get married too. But <laughs> there's a problem. There's a kinsman who's closer to you than I am. And if he wants to redeem you, so be it. Let him redeem you. That's good. If not, then I'll, I'll redeem you. Our hearts sort of, or my heart kind of sank. It's, what's going to happen? How's the story going to unfold? And he says, well, I can't send you out. It's too dangerous in the middle of the night. So you stay. I've had no hanky-panky. Nothing funny happened. Both people of integrity. He says, uh, this is a bad situation, but the, the best thing that we could do is wait till pre-dawn, and then I'm going to send you home. Don't let anybody know that you are here. And then she went home, and he said, Take some food for the mother-in-law. I don't want to, I don't want you to go back empty-handed. And she appears, and the mother-in-law said, What's going on? And we're told that Ruth told her everything. When he said, Go back in secrecy, he, nothing happened that she was hiding. He was using discretion. She tells the mother-in-law everything. And I imagine she was panicking. He'll marry me. He'll marry me. But there's this other guy, and he said, "If I don't even know who this guy is, I don't want to marry this guy." Like the guy doesn't even get a name. I'm guessing he was a, like I think he his reputation preceded him. This is totally my speculation, which means nothing. Like it, just my imagination, I'm having a little fun with it a bit. But but, but my guess is that. Ruth didn't want to necessarily marry that guy, but now she could have put herself in a pickle where she has to marry some guy that she doesn't even not even interested in marrying. And verse eighteen of chapter three ends with the mother-in-law telling the daughter sunrise. She's been all up all night, all excited. She says, "Wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest until he has settled it for today. Don't go brush your teeth. Don't go to sleep. You're going to hear back really soon because." Boaz is a guy that takes care of business. So he goes and he sits down and at the city gate, the guy, God's providence. Again, we see the the right guy shows up. Boaz, acting in in integrity, says, you're entitled to this land. He then shares the whole situation. The guy eventually says, this, I cannot, I I have my trust made. To marry a Moabite would, would, would affect my, the inheritance would affect my family name. I don't want to marry a Moabite. You, you have this. I'm free and clear of this mess. So he pulled out the notary by taking off his sandal, tossing his sandal over at Boaz. Apparently, even at the time of writing, it wasn't the, the tradition anymore because they tell us in chapter four, verse seven, that this was the custom. This is how they notarized uh, transfers of sale. And so Boaz declares before the, the, the councilman, of the city you all see this i've purchased this land i've redeemed it and on this land there's a mother-in-law and a girl named ruth who is a moabitess i'm going to marry her let it be known this is whatever forms they had to fill out maybe another sandal i don't know how it happened but but basically he declared that he was marrying her they rejoice. they say may your wealth in bethlehem be mighty may your name in bethlehem go forth the irony here the guy who wanted to protect his reputation and not wanting to marry this moabitess his name has been blotted out of history forever boaz whose mom is rahab a prostitute now marries a moabitess girl and the messiah would come through their dna That every Christmas story, when we open up uh, Matthew chapter one, his name appears through the Messiah, including Rahab and a beautiful picture of God's redemption and restoring people. So he goes home and he gets married. I sang for you guys again with that one. Remember, go into the threshing floor. It's catchy. We'll rewrite it. I'm going to. I'm going to have Don do a recording for me so I can. Uh... And so we pick up in verse 13. And the thing I, I, I love and dread all at the same time is, is here at Valley Baptist, we, we teach through books of the Bible because it's a safeguard for me picking topics. And this verse 13 is awkward at best. But the Bible talks about things, and it forces me then to talk about things. I don't know if you guys noticed in the reading. So, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her. How do we deal with that? Maybe it's a translation thing. Is there a softer way to put it? This is what it says. So we see this whole the, the, the topic of marriage. There's no funny business beforehand. They. And when they get married, it's a, a public thing that everybody knew about. Boaz declares his intentions. I'm taking this lady to be my wife. They had feelings to start out with. Then he declares it. And then after the intentions, then he goes and he marries her. They have sexual relations, sex, something that God created as a beautiful thing in the context of marriage. It's something that Satan likes to use outside of marriage to distort the beauty of what God's created. But here we see this is exactly how God has created it. Man and wife to be enjoyed in marriage. They get married. They have relations. And then we see this phrase, the Lord enabled her. And I love this picture of God's God's hand in the whole thing. And this, the Lord enabled the story through Ruth, really, then without getting political we live in a nation in a time and really in all times the issue is how does god fit into the historical picture and evangelical christianity says god is behind it he is our starting point when we look at creation when we look at marriage when we look at relationships god is the creator and definer of all of these things when it comes to children It's not that there's a blob of nothingness that happens at some point to cross from not being life to life. Those outside of God would say, well, just a bunch of accidents is just a bunch of gloobily gloop of stuff that just happens to create into a child. The Bible makes it clear. When does a, a person become a person at conception at that moment? In the DNA, you have a human. All you need is more time. And so we see that the Lord enabled her to conceive, and this is a miracle. Every conception is a miracle, and I want to be, uh, I'm cautious with this. But but something is here, and, and this is sort of, my thoughts, I don't know that they've matured fully, which is always a dangerous place to go because now I'm going to have files popping up. It's like, do I want to let that one through? Do I want to let that one through? And sorry, welcome to my world. I, I, uh, sometimes I let too much out. But in this, the Lord enabled her to conceive. Well, what do we know about her? Turn back with me to chapter one. Verse, five, verse 4, they, Malan and Chilion, took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other was Ruth. And they lived there about 10 years. Then they died. 10 years of marriage, no children came out. And I, I use this with great caution. The Lord gave Anna and I a season of of no children we anna got pregnant and then miscarried and then it was about four years we really reached a point where we didn't think we were going to be able to have kids and so because of that season i've become way more sensitive to those who haven't been able to conceive it's a it's a painful painful thing and and in the end of ruth here i think there's a lesson along that vein but now we see that god opened the womb we, we don't know her story but she didn't conceive for 10 years but now she gets married and boom she's pregnant literally married boom i got married on this day and pregnant this day and in verse 13 we like 10 months go by and she gave birth to a son so in the beginning of chapter four we're all like zoned into one day half of that's like like half of the chapters, i don't know an hour and then we get to verse 13 it's like well, let's fast forward 10 months she gets married she gets pregnant has a baby son and ruth is gone it's like see you later ruth boom she's out of the story ruth doesn't enter she's done i mean not that she still goes on to live but she's not mentioned in ruth anymore she has a baby it's like thank you very much chapter verse 14 the women said to naomi Hey, what about Ruth? Oh, now we're talking about Naomi. How did the story start with Naomi? Whole world fell apart. No food, no money, no hope. Goes to Moab, loses her husband, loses her two sons, destitute, nothing. By the end of chapter one, she says, the Lord Has witnessed against me. And his judgment is upon me. I have nothing. (laughs) And the end of the story. I get goosebumps. The same girl. The same ladies in town. Hey who is that? I think that's Naomi. But where are her husband? Where are the boys? Who's that Moabite girl with her? Now these same women. Are saying blessed is the Lord. Who has not left you without a redeemer today. And may his name be. Come famous in Israel. I started thinking about this. Because, see, we get so familiar with the story, we start, we start like, uh, this is like, I get weird. We start looking at the story and we see Naomi Ruth and I do it. I see, oh, Naomi became mom to, to Ruth. But the more we really look at the story is Naomi is not Ruth's mom. And maybe this hits close to me because my, when I talk about my mom today, my mom is my ex-stepmom. Ex so my, parent, my, my dad, well, he's like, this is like, I need a Sharpie for my family tree because it gets very complicated. My biological mom was extremely abusive My dad married her when she got pregnant with me because I was an accident. His words, he still says that to me. Best accident he ever made. And uh, I love my dad. And uh, uh, she closed down that file. Okay, where was I? So, So my dad gets married when he hears the news about my coming. He marries my biological mom. Two years goes by, they get divorced. A few years later, my mom, my biological mom was extremely abusive. The last time I saw her is when I had it. She's deceased now. But the last time I saw her was when I testified against her at court for the abuse. And then at five, and I don't say this to make you sorry for me, it's my story and God used it. To, and so then at 12, I moved or 11, I moved in with my dad and stepmom who I'd been visiting since I was about four or five years old that stepmom really became my mom and then at 17 my dad and stepmom divorced i i lost contact with my stepmom until grace came along eight years ago as soon as my first child was born it was within me that who i needed to get my child to was my mom and my mom was my ex-stepmom So when I speak of my mom and when she comes to church, I say, this is my mom. That's technically my ex-stepmom. And so where I'm going with this is when I see Naomi in verse 15 or 16, then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap. We have the image of a grandmother holding their grandchild, but this grandchild is not her DNA grandchild. You guys following me? This is a child that some Moabite, I mean, I'm really getting kind of crass, here, but it's like some Moabite girl just had a girl that happened to be married to her son. Her son's dead. But there's this distant relative that they're connected to that's not really truly a close relative, has a child with Ruth who has two parents back in Moab. and And Boaz certainly has his two parents. But then there's Naomi holding this baby. And it's a beautiful picture. I uh, I emailed this Ruth on Monday. I'm like, Ruth, I, I don't even know how to ask this to you, but can I have permission to say something about you that I don't know what I'm going to say and I don't even know how it's going to go out? And she said, Gunnar, I, I trust you. <laughs> 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 and really, like I've known Ruth for many years. I love Ruth. I love that whole back row, as distracting as they are at times. <laughs> so Ruth has no biological children, but she has many children. She's like Grandma Ruth to my own kids, to her. She's got, I mean, how many grandchildren, how many, do you, how many daughters do you have? I lost count. They're all over the world. My favorite one's the one that lives from Spain because then we, you know, but that's a whole nother issue. But but, but she has a ton of these granddaughters and they all come into town. I mean, daughters, and then they bring their daughters. And it's this beautiful picture to me that I've been so blessed by Ruth and that, that she has truly become a mom and grandmother to so many kids. And DNA, some, does not matter? I mean, sometimes it matters, but... But it's not limiting. I look at that back row and they're not distracting today because my son is now old enough to like leave. But there's another one brewing. And when he comes out, I see a baby right there that's probably distracting. I'll be teaching and they're all wide awake. Going, pitchy, pitchy. And I'm like, kitch. I'm like, are you talking to me? It's kind of weird up here. I'm like, wait, they're not paying attention to me. Like it's Grandma. Pat, Grandma Bob, Grandma Lloyd Beth, Grandma Ruth, all of these kids. And it's beautiful. And in this story, I see the community and I see this, you know, our history matters. I don't care wherever you came from. It affects who you are today. I can't change the fact who my mom and dad and grandparents and all of who they are and who I became. I can't. It's history. It's what it is. And see, there's two different ways. Don't just think, oh, if you come from a bad past. See, Elimelech and Naomi started story. They're Jews. They have enough blood that the Messiah, they could come through them, which he did. But we see Elimelech making poor decisions, and I don't know what he was thinking. He thought, oh, I'm Jew, I can do whatever, and I'll just go here and be fine. No, you can come from a good godly lineage, but that doesn't mean anything in your life. Unless you make the choice that you're going to continue walking after God. And you could come from a totally, well, I don't know if I can say jacked up past. Like, that's me in my background. Can I say that in church? I don't. I have a very messy background. Very, very, very messy. And see, in my life, I reached a point like Ruth. And I said, you know what? I've reached an age when I can't blame them for how the rest of my life turns out. That cycle and the garbage and the, all of that stuff, I've decided to follow Jesus. And I will break the family line so much as it depends in my own family. But then my kids have their own choice to make. And so I love this story, this pit. And words fit, like I don't have words to express my feelings when I see this that you see Naomi holding this child who is a Moabite child that is not her own, that she will love and care for. And Ruth walking away from her family and saying, Naomi, I know you're not my mom, but you're my mom and your God is my God and I am walking after him and I am breaking the cycle. And look at verse 15. Your grandparent, I'd highlight this verse. This is when I become a grandparent, this can be my life verse. May he, the child, be a restorer of life. Have you guys seen grandparents with grandkids? It's embarrassing. It's like when we drop off our kids at Anna's parents' house, there was one time a few years ago, like I guess we normally call or Anna would text, like, hey, we're on our way home. Well, one time we didn't. And we just walked in the door. Hey, I'm home. And there are all the kids I like, can dress my mother-in-law in this like gown with the hat and stuff's all over like prance. And I'm like, what is going on in here? She's like, you guys didn't call. I like to apparently we needed to call. What is happening? And my mother-in-law looks at me. She says, I am a queen of this kingdom. And these are my princesses. And I'm like, what happened to you? May he be a restorer of life to you. I mean, I look at that back row. You guys are crazy with the little kids, and I love it. But but I see little Gideon and all the other little ones. They turn Miss Pat crazy. Like all of her life comes back. All of her, sp- I mean, I never like her spunk ever went away. But you see this vitality. This is why generations are so important. And we welcome, like, that, like, whether kids go to Sunday school or don't go to Sunday school, like, that's kind of, like, family-to-family dependent, and whether your kids love it. But, but my kids who are Sunday school, like, love all of the old people here. It's good for them, and it's good for the, uh, the, the mature people. I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> Damn. I'm going to get hit with a cane today. I really, like, <laughs> I'm sorry for whoever I might have offended. The, I say it with true love. I, hear, I heard a cane. I, did she grab? I did. I flinched. Oh no! Like, <laughs> yes, <Okay>. of course. <laughs> awesome! 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 And beautiful. Okay, there we go. We can talk to that. Okay. May he be a restorer of life and a sustainer in your old age. Widows had nothing. Social security back then was your family. And so when Ruth lost her husband and son, she had nothing. And now this son or this grandson, may he be a sustainer in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then naomi took this bundle of joy and laid him on her lap guys you have to see the beauty of this picture from chapter one to here god has fully restored and redeemed this woman and given her this grandson filled with joy and she became his nurse and i see i'm okay ruth you can go back to the fields i got him i'll take care of him no need i got him. 24-7 babysitter, I'll take care of him, and you're going to have to rip him out of my arms to get him back. She is overflowing with joy. The neighbor woman gave him a name. Now, we have all kinds of advice being thrown at us for what we should name our child, but apparently back then it was like the neighborhood like named the kid. And so these ladies, the neighbor women, gave him a name, saying a son has been born to Naomi. What? No. Ruth gave birth to this baby. Not, you know, but... But as far as they were concerned, that God gave this redeemer and gave her this child, even though it was her grandchild. See, poor Ruth went through labor, delivery, thrown up early on. And now, like history, like, might as well been Naomi. They named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now, these are the generations of Perez. To Perez was born Hezron. And to Hezron was born Ram, and to Ram, Amenbadab, and to Amenbadab was born Nashon, and to Nashon was Salmon, Salmon, Salmon. I've been making fun of him this whole time. So, and to Salmon was born Boaz, and to Boaz, Obed, and to Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse, David. and It's this beautiful picture of this legacy that God gave through this family, through choices. You enclose your Bibles we're going to read story time. I love Ruthie. Last service, I tried to get some of the kids to come forward, but nobody did. So I'll, I'm going to pass on trying to do that again. So we're going to read, I love Ruthie. I think I'm going to take a sip of water before I do, because it's, there's a lot of rhyming. Okay, I love Ruthie. It can't be true. I can't go on oh everything we had is gone Naomi wept poor Ruthie cried Naomi's precious sons had died and oh one precious priceless son Naomi's son that very one was Ruthie's husband Lord above her one and only one true love now sometimes when it rains it pours and this time it would pour for sure for evil people ruled the land as evil people sometimes can and sometimes will and sometimes do when you and I allow them to from here to there from there to here the food began to disappear it filled the people full of fear yes full of fear from ear to ear Orpha Ruth Naomi cried The time has come. We must decide. We have to leave. We cannot stay. We cannot stay. Not now. No way. From north to south, from west to east, the men are gone. Extinct. Deceased. Without a man, Naomi said, we're all about as good as dead. Now, ladies, be cool. Some things things were different then, so don't get too upset. Amen? Just look at me. I'm old and wrinkled, sagged and bagged and crooked and crinkled, crumped, puckered, nookered and crannied, rip van winkled, grayed and grannied. Oh, there's just no hope in sight to find another Mr. Wright. or even just a Daffy Duck or an Elmer Fudd or a Mr. Yuck. <laughs> the time has come. The time is now. The time has come right now and how. You must return. You must. I say return back home right now today. Naomi prayed that they would bite, and Orpha knew that she was right. She packed her bags without a fight and left for home that very night. But oh, not Ruth, not her, no way. She had a thing or two to say. I can't return. I want to stay. I will not go right now today. For where you are is where I'll be, and when you you stay, you'll stay with me. And when you die, I'll die with you. And that is what I'm going to do. Your God will be my God, and he will surely care for you and me. Oh, what a thing for Ruth to say that kind of thing can make your day and make you shout, hip, hip, hooray. They hugged and kissed and packed up tight and left for Bethlehem that night. Naomi, is it really true? What happened, girl? Just look at you, your hair. Your clothes, your shoes, your toes, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your nose. You're looking pale, you're looking thin. In fact, if we may say again, you're really looking more akin to something that the cat dragged in. (laughs) Well, things look bad the way things can, but listen now God had a plan. Oh, Naomi, please don't cry. Oh, please don't cry. I'll tell you why. I'll find a farm, I'll be real nice. I'll ask them once or maybe twice to take our jugs and jars and sacks and fill them with treats and snacks. Yes, crumbs and morsels, flakes and flecks, leftover kernels, crumbs and specks, a black banana, bagels, lox, some cheese stuck to a pizza box. I'll beg and plead and sob and bleat. I'll ask them for a tasty treat, an itsy bitsy, teeny weeny, tiny scrap for us to eat. So off she went. She did her thing. She did it, never noticing that someone had been fastening his bulging eyes on everything. Who is that girl out in my field? And what's she doing? Boaz squealed. Look at that hair. Look at those eyes. Excuse me, just one minute, guys. I've got to go and socialize. (laughs) No, No, Boaz wasn't to miss an opportunity like this he shaved his toes he licked his lips he chewed his teeth for cracks and chips he combed the bugs out of his hair yes don juan double debonair was savor fair extraordinaire now don't be too quick to judge amen well don't think what you're thinking then for boaz was a gentleman please stay with us take what you need take what you need and more indeed He'd loaded up all Ruthie's sacks and jugs and jars with treats and snacks. Yes, it was true love at first sight, a double-thumping heart delight. She headed home of what she'd found. Her world was turning upside down. She ran the whole way back to town about 10 feet off the ground. I am telling you, tonight's the night, Naomi grinned. And if I'm right, there's only one thing left to do to get that man to say, I do so they did oh did they do they fluffed and puffed they crimped and curled they powdered sweet perfumed and pearled they thanked the lord they sang his praise they marveled at his wonder, wondrous ways and off she went into the night to have and to hold her mr right her mr shining armored knight her straight from heaven sent the light now as i'm sure that you supposed boaz said yes when ruth proposed yes ruth proposed that's what i said just look it up go right ahead they tied the knot and lived to be quite happy ever afterly and soon god blessed them with a son a precious little baby one but wait this story's far from done because their son he was the one who had a son who had a kid known as king david yes he did And King David was the great, 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 great times three times one plus eight great granddad of a man whose wife you've probably heard of all your life. A man whose son, to be precise, was Jesus. No. Yes. Jesus Christ. Just take a second. Think it through. Oh, what God will go and do the kindest that you've ever find the kindest that you'll ever find the kindest that you'll ever see that's something else don't you agree and father we do thank you and praise you for this wonderful story of ruth we thank you lord that it reveals much about who you are as a god as god father we thank you that you're so kind so merciful so gracious to us We pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, help us to make choices that are pleasing to you. And Father, for those of us who have maybe never fully come to trust in Christ as their Savior, Lord, I pray that you would help them to reach that place in their life when they would trust, that they would believe in Jesus the Messiah. And Father, for those of us who have trusted in Christ as Savior, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful story of ruth naomi boaz to see lord your redemptive hand in human history to see how you worked individually in these people's lives just through the ordinary father we pray that you would help us lord to see your hand move amongst us father we all come from different backgrounds some of us come from godly lines some of us less than godly lines But Father, I pray that you would help each of us to choose to follow after you. Father, we want to live our life fully. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Christ's good name. Amen.